Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we want to continue our discussion on the topic of abortion from a biblical perspective, part two. So we want to talk about a biblical response to abortion, part two. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And if you miss our initial podcast on this topic, part one, we invite you to uh, go on our website and uh, you can obtain it from there. And so we want to, um, before we get into it, uh, give this disclaimer. We realize that this is a sensitive topic for a lot of people. We realize that uh, a lot of families have had to deal with the issue of abortion, we realize that um, many people uh, have had um, negative as well as positive uh, experiences with abortion. But before we get into uh, ethical issues, I think it's important as Christians that we first think about the foundation, the rule book, which is the Bible. And a lot of people argue their perspective from emotions. Some uh, argue their position from purely philosoph- uh, philosophical aspects. Um, others uh, argue their position from experiential uh, perspective, meaning that based on their experience, um, as long as their experience is valid to them, then it makes the experience is true, and that's a logical fallacy. Uh, just because you've had experience doesn't mean that experience is, um, is, is true in a sense of a godly standard, in terms of uh, a godly paradigm, a worldview. It could be, or it could be not. How do we know? Scripture tells us we ought to test the spirit by the spirit. We have to. So everything that I think, I have to uh, filter it through the word of God. 
everything I've learned since I was a child, I have to filter it through the word of God because our parents are not perfect. Our parents also make mistakes. So we need to make sure that everything we've been taught, we go back to the word of God through a hermeneutical lens and ascertain whether or not what we believe is actually truthful. So everything we learn, according to John, we have to test it by the word of God. And the reason why we can't just base truthfulness on our emotions or what we think or how we feel or what somebody we knew went through is because we're under change. We're constantly changing. Some of the things that you used to believe when you were an adolescent, you now have given up those belief systems. Some of the things that you used to feel when you were at a certain point in your life, you don't feel those anymore. And if you don't believe me, just look at many of our relationships in the past. We thought this person was it. We, we, we knew for certain that this individual was going to be the one, only to come to find out that we can't always trust our emotions, that we can't always trust how we feel, and that's for many of us. So that's just a simple example. But we're under change. But God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the, uh, the one thing we talked about last week was before we get into these ethical dilemmas such as uh, abortion, such as euthanasia, such as marriage, uh, such as identity, uh, uh, whatever it is that we're dealing with on a social scale, we need to know how to process it biblically. So the first thing I encourage you all to do is to analyze the issue. Analyze the issue. And in order to analyze the issue, we need to know what the rules are. And God has already set the rules in motion. God has already set the foundation. The rule number one is we need to know how God defines truth. Truth is telling something like it is or that which corresponds to its object. Again, truth is telling something like it is or that which corresponds to its object. So what's the nature of truth? Meaning, what is truth like? Would you know truth if you saw it or experienced it? Number one, truth has no expiration date. There are a lot of people arguing, well, you know, you Christians, you believe this, and the Bible is out of date. No, it's not. The Bible cannot be out of date because the Bible are God's words. God is eternal which means there is no starting point and there's no end point. And since God is eternal, his words have to be eternal because he's eternal. So number one, truth has no expiration date. Number two, truth is not based on popularity or majority vote. We don't base what's truth or what's true on what most people think. And that's part of the fallacy uh, that I'm witnessing in today's culture. Just because a majority of people believe something doesn't necessarily mean what they believe is true. Truth cannot be intimidated by the numbers. Truth cannot be intimidated by the numbers. And if you don't believe me, read the story of Gideon. Uh, Gideon was uh, totally outnumbered, but God used him to stand for his purpose. So just because there's a majority doesn't necessarily mean it's true. 
it's good if the majority's view is true, but that's, it's not necessarily so. Uh, just because you have most people believe in one thing doesn't mean what they believe is necessarily true. And I gave the example of uh, uh, World War II with Hitler and how um, he had the majority vote on how they viewed the Jews. Uh, they viewed them as, as, as less than. And so as a result, uh, they acted upon that belief that the Jews were less than. So just because you have the majority view doesn't necessarily mean what they believe is true. And we don't have to go too far uh, to Germany to talk about um, this false uh, uh, concept or, 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 or fallacy of uh, believing that just because you have the majority view that is true. Uh, we can take a look at our own American history and see that that's not the case. At one point, the majority believed that the slaves were three-fifths of a person, and that was the majority view. But um, as, as, as you can tell, they've changed and, and have morphed that view. Many people have morphed that view. And so just because, again, just because the majority embrace it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Number three. Truth is not created but revealed. Truth is not created but revealed. Truth came along with the creation of the universe. When God created the earth, truth came along with it. So truth, the standard of truth has always been here. So what we are arguing is that man doesn't have the right to redefine truth because truth has always been here. We don't need another truth. Truth has always existed. So mankind does not create truth. Mankind discovers truth. Einstein did not create the theory of relativity. He discovered it. Newton did not create uh, the law of gravity. He discovered it. And when uh, a remedy or a cure is found in a scientific world, they never say we created the laws that, that, that governed this particular principle. No, they discovered, we discovered a cure for polio. We discovered a cure for this type of cancer. We don't create it, we discover it because the truth has always been here. As it relates to abortion, we must analyze the rhetoric. One side argues this and another side argues that. And the argument uh, is both of human rights as well as women rights, but also it should be a matter of spiritual position. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors and we'll be right back. The other side content it is murder, and abortion is the elimination of human life. So one side, again, argues for human rights and women's rights, while the other side contend it is murder and elimination of life. So who is making this argument, and what is their agenda? If you look at one party, they have an agenda. If you look at another party, they have an agenda. But what is God's word saying to us, not 
immediately embracing the rhetoric of humanity. But what is God saying? Not based on your subjective view, not based on your emotionalism, not based on your philosophical standpoint. What is God saying? That is the question. So the first thing we do in dealing with this topic or any topic that deals with uh, social ramifications is analyze the issue. What are, what's going on? Who is saying what? What is their agenda? The second thing we need to do is define the terms. So we say abortion. What exactly are we saying? Abort or, t- or abortion is defined according to Harvard Health as the removal of pregnancy tissues, products of conception or the fetus, and placenta after birth from the uterus. In general, the term fetus and placenta are used after eight weeks of pregnancy. Pregnancy tissue and products of conception refer to tissue produced by the union of an egg and sperm before eight weeks. There's a lot of uh, medical uh, sway in this definition. Again, this is Harvard Health, and this is how they're defining abortion. It's very clinical, the way that they talk about it. Uh, very clinical. So let's look at Britannica. Britannica says abortion is the expulsion of a fetus from the uterus before it has reached the stage of viability in human beings, usually about the 20th week of gestation. An abortion may occur spontaneously, in which case it is also called a miscarriage, or it may be brought on purposefully, in which case it is often called an induced abortion. So in layman's term, an abortion is the intentional act, and and this is how I'm defining it, it's an intentional intentional act to um, end a pregnancy um, before that baby or uh, uh, that embryo comes to full term. That's as plain as I can make it. Now, the question is, right, we're using terms such as fetus. The question is, is the fetus a person? That's the question we need to answer because if there's no person, there's no murder. So, uh, in many cases, those that support the act of abortion, uh, they dehumanize the embryo. They dehumanize it because then uh, it allows them to say, no, see, uh, that's just a thing that's inside of me. And since it's not a person, it's not murder. So what I'm doing is not murder. I'm just trying to have control over my body And there's this thing in me that I don't want in my body, so I need to extricate it. So that's uh, the definition of abortion that many people use. Then the next topic is choice. Choice. Uh, The great Christian philosopher Thomas Aquinas uh, defines uh, choice or free will as the agent that moves us toward a particular action. This action is first determined by the intellect. In other words, the will is contingent on the intellect. He also asserts that uh, God gave humanity free will, but not to use it to sin. 
So when we talk about choice, what are we talking about? As Christians, um, our view of choice has to be couched in God's view of choice. God has certainly given us free will, and that will is totally free. It's not uh, restrictive. It's free. God wants you to freely worship him. He wants you to freely love him. He wants you to freely choose him. And so when we exercise our free will, it's totally free. So we can use it towards God or we can use it towards secularism. And so when we're talking about the world, I do understand the world, uh, those in the world that don't have the same standards as, as those in the church, uh, those that are Christians. I understand that. I even understand why the world uh, behave the way that they behave. They don't uh, appreciate the same standards that uh, our divine God has set forth before us. And, and I'm speaking in generality uh, when we talk about the world, even when we talk about Christians. Uh, I'm using the, I'm using the, the uh, inference all, but I know there's always exceptions. So in general, uh, the world doesn't appreciate uh, the Christian ethics that we're talking about. I'm not speaking to the world right now. I'm speaking to the church. And so as a Christian, when you said, yes, Lord, you are in essence saying, Lord, even though I have a free will, I want you to lead me. Lord, even though I have a free will, I'm willing to give up my rights for your rights. Even though I have a free will, I'm willing to allow you to be Lord over my life. Even when I think I know what's best for my life, I'm going to lean on what you're saying and not what I think or what uh, or how I feel. And that's what the Christian walk is about. The disciples abandoned a lot of their worldviews because they loved Jesus and they wanted to follow Jesus. So this issue of choice uh, is not the same in Christendom as it is out in the world. In the world, it's a lot of autonomy. It's a lot of irreverence. In the world, uh, 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 people want to be in control over their lives. People want to be in control over their speech. People want to be in control over their bodies. People want to be in control over their uh, decisions. That's not the same in Christendom. In Christendom, our speech is curtailed by God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Christendom, our relationship is curtailed by God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Christendom, we're not in control of our bodies. Our bodies belong to God. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So when we're in Christ, our view of choice is totally different than those that are out in the world. Then the next term I like to uh, visit is the right to privacy. Uh, basically arguing that the mother's personal right to choose supersedes the right of the fetus. Let me say it again. The right to privacy. That's another term that's been uh, thrown around. Uh, signifying that the mother's personal right to choose supersedes the right of the fetus. Again, if you see the fetus as unhuman, then your right to humanity supersedes that of this unborn child. But in Christendom, that shouldn't be the case. Uh, and we'll get into it. In Psalms 139, we see as an example, 
that uh, even the unborn David um, was recognized by God. So just because uh, a fetus hasn't come to full term doesn't mean that it's not human. Now, we're using this term fetus. What is it? What is a fetus? Now, a fetus is when an egg and a sperm come in contact and they produce what um, uh, physicians call a zygote. So, in other words, the union of a male egg with a male sperm, uh, which creates the zygote, which develops into an embryo uh, at the 5th to 10 week mark. So, the embryo then becomes a fetus 11 weeks after conception. So, again, uh, fetus, uh, the progression of a fetus is when um, an egg and a sperm come together and, uh, and, and produces a zygote and develops into an embryo. Uh, an embryo is from the 5th to 10 week mark, and then after that, um, it becomes a fetus. So, for us as Christians, this is how science is able to mark the stages of development of, of the human being. But just because the zygote, right, that's the earliest form um, of detection for the scientists. Uh, when when, when uh, your test says you're pregnant and then you go in to see the doctor and they tell you when you can come in and get the ultrasound, um, that's not when life begins. When God, we say the egg and the sperm, but when God puts it together, that's a human being. When, when, God, when, when, when you're conceived, that's a human being. Even before we're able to uh, detect the zygote, uh, when God puts it together, that is a human being. And we, we, when I say we, my wife and I, uh, we've had a personal uh, testimony in relation to this. Now, my personal testimony, even though it's heartwarming, even though it's a great testimony, that shouldn't be the litmus test. I'm just using it as an example. You should always, when people use their own personal experiences, you should always go back and filter it by the word of God. We had difficulties conceiving for a number of years. And uh, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, but it it just wasn't time. We've had uh, at least two miscarriages. So it just wasn't time. Now, again, that's our experience. And uh, we need to make sure that we check in our experiences with the word of God. And so those were uh, legitimate babies that we lost. We can't say just because uh, the uh, fetus or embryo didn't come to full term that it wasn't a human uh, uh, We can't say that. I mean, you can't say it, but it's not true. God recognizes that uh, we're humans at conception, the body. We talked about the right to privacy. We talked about the fetus. Then the term of the body. This is my body. Now, are we fully autonomous as human beings? Do we fully own our bodies? Do we have full input in regards to our bodies? Who owns our bodies? And that is uh, an argument in the world that they have to figure out. But in Christendom, God 
is the owner of our bodies. As I said before, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In the world, uh, they believe they own their own bodies. It's interesting. An argument can be made, as I thought about this, uh, that our parents could be the owners of our bodies. They created us, I mean, in terms of uh, uh, anatomy. They were responsible for us getting here. So if we went to court, they could have an argument, not saying it's, it's, it's the law, but uh, philosophically, they could make an argument. It is only through them that we were able to get here. So they could make an argument that they own our bodies. But in the Western philosophy, we say we own our bodies. Well, our time has uh, ended, and uh, we apologize. We, we was, it was getting into it, uh, but we will continue on the next episode as it relates to our response to abortion from a biblical paradigm. And if you're listening to us, we invite you to sign up online August 26th. Uh, we are having a fundraiser for Sound Reason Ministries. Please uh, sign up for the event. And again, if you'd like to give, go online, srministries.org. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with Apologist and Minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a lot more. Please connect to lifeaudio.com. God bless. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. My name is Carly Mercouillier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.